Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, you are the Lord God Almighty who is to be praised. You are the God who is to be praised. You are God Adonai. You are the God who is to be praised. Father, oh, Renande, Father, I recognize this anointing. I recognize this flow. Father, sustain us. Father, give me the strength to sustain this flow and to sustain this anointing. Father, give each person the strength, the expectation, the hunger to hold on to it, Father God. For, Father, I know that there's things that you want to accomplish in us and through us in this service. But, Father, we've got to maintain the anointing. So strengthen us, equip us. Father, give us angelic assistance to follow through. And, Father, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now we're later, Lord. Yes, Lord, we'll do it later. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's critical that you keep your... of it in their heart and in their spirit in Jesus mighty name glory to God listen I've been accused of preaching too fast I get told all the time you go so fast I can't catch it all well I'm not preaching to your brain I'm preaching to your spirit your spirit doesn't have a limiter like your brain does so just get down in your heart put up your spiritual antenna and say I'm receiving this morning 
whatever it is. And how do you receive? You get your tongue moving. You say, I receive it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's right. You're not going to interfere with the spirit by giving God the glory. Just get in there and just do it. Now, don't be crazy and unruly and fleshly about it. But if your spirit says, man, I like that, go ahead and give the Lord an amen. It's just fine. I want you to go to Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50 this morning. What are we going to talk about this morning? We are going to talk about you cannot fail with God. You cannot fail with God. God is on your side. God is with you. God, you once you, now, now here's the deal though. Now I said you can't fail with God. What does that mean? That means that as long as you stay with God, as long as you stay with God, you cannot fail. But if you back off and you back away from God, then you can fail. So what do you have to do? You have to plug into the power and you have to stay plugged into the power. You know, we've got these little outlets over here. We've got all these little outlets everywhere. Well, there's power in those outlets. But if you don't plug into them, or if you, if you I know us ladies, we've been vacuuming. Have you ever been vacuuming and all of a sudden, you, 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 all of a sudden your vacuum cleaner just stops? What happened? You got going so good vacuuming, you unplugged yourself and you lost all the power. Well, praise God, we don't have that problem in the spirit if we'll just make sure we stay connected as long as we keep our antennas up. Well, how do you keep your antennas up? I'm so glad you asked. Isaiah chapter Chapter 50, verse 7. Isaiah 50, verse 7. Lord Jesus, you're going to have to give me some... You're going to have to help me this morning. Isaiah 50, verse 7. It says, For the Lord God will help me. Woo! Aren't you glad the Lord God will help you? Glory to God. Oh, Jesus. Therefore shall I... (laughs) Therefore shall I not be confounded. Listen, when you know that God's helping you, you're not going to be confounded. You're not going to be confused. You're not going to be dismayed. You're not going to be without an answer. Why? Because the Lord is helping you. The Lord is helping you. He said, and, and, and how is this going to happen? How am I not going to be dismayed? Now he gives us the answer. We love our colons because we know that when there's a colon, what is said next is it helps us to understand what was just said by the Spirit. And he said this. He said, Therefore have I set my face like flint. Therefore I have set my face like flint. And look at this. He said, And I know that I shall not be ashamed. What does it mean to set your face like flint? It means to set your face like a stone, like a rock. How much do you know stones and rocks don't move? They don't move. They are unmovable. You get out here this, you know, we get out here, I mean, we live in the mountains. Have you ever been digging and you hit a rock? Oh, Lord, you hit a rock. And you just know. Oh, you just know. My husband hates it when he's got to dig holes or something because he knows, because we, we, you know, we were on a mountain. He knows I'm going to get so far down and I'm going to hit rock. Why? Because rock is unmovable. You got to, you know, to get these mountains down, what do you have to use? Dynamite. You got to use dynamite to get these rocks. You've got to set your face on God and it is going to take dynamite to get you off of him. In other words, 
A little poke of the devil ain't going to move you. A little tribulation ain't going to move you. A little, a little, a little pain in the flesh ain't going to move you. Listen, I have dealt with chronic pain in my life, and uh, I went to, and I was, I, I was real picky about the doctors because if y'all know anything about me, some of y'all do, some of you don't. Uh, uh, it's been medically proven that I can't take medications of any type, of any strength or anything. Um, because it'll just, it plummets my blood pressure, I'll be dead in the grave. So dealing with chronic pain, not being able to take anything, that's a problem. See, I didn't have any, see, let me tell you something. I didn't have a choice but to learn to depend on Jesus. I didn't have a choice. You know, it's wonderful that we have these doctors, and I'm so thankful for them, and God gave them to us, and, he, and you need to go to them and use their wisdom. But sometimes we put more faith in doctors and in the knowledge of men than the God that gave them the knowledge. And so sometimes, you know, you know, on the mission field, you see more actual physical miracles on the mission field than you do here in the United States. Because in the mission field, they don't have no choice but to depend on God. Either God shows up or they're out of luck. They'll, do you all know they'll hike all day to get to church? Uh, I have been told by several ministers, uh, if you go on a, if you are asked to go and, and uh, minister over in these foreign lands, don't think you're doing a 20-minute service or an hour, hour and a half service. And I'm like, well, I'm fine. I like to preach long. And they go, no, you don't understand. They want you to preach five and six hours. And then they and then they want to clean out the church, and they want to fill it back up, and they want you to preach five to six hours again. And I'm like, okay, all right, Holy Ghost, let's go. And, and I mean, I, I you, y'all know I could fill that in, but... Uh, <laughs> I could. I mean, we, we learned some things that way. But, but what, what are those people doing? They're setting their face like flint. They're saying, that's where God's at. I'm going. I won't quit. I won't move. I'm going to talk to you today about a man who set his face like flint. And it's going to surprise you who this man was. It's going to surprise you who this man was that set his face like flint despite all of his failings. Despite all of his failings. And why can you set your face like flint? Because of this. I know that I shall not be ashamed. Listen. Why can you, why can you boldly declare that you are healed even when sickness or pain reigns in your body? Oh, all of a sudden you got quiet in this house. Why can you boldly declare that you are healed despite what your body tells you? Because the truth is, Jesus has already healed you. There's actually, if you, well, you know, well, you know, you, I know, Pastor, you tell me to say, well, I just, just walk around going, I'm healed, I'm healed, and I'm healed, I'm the healed of the Lord, I'm the whole of the Lord, I have no pain in Jesus' name. But, Pastor, that's a lie. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because in your spirit, which is the real eternal part of you, there's no sickness, there's no disease, and there's no pain. None. None. Well, where does that part of you live? Inside your physical body. Inside you. So now you just declare. The Bible tells us that we're to use our spirit to tell our physical body what it thinks and what it feels and what it believes. So you got to get up and you got to go, I ain't got no pain in Jesus' name. I ain't got no pain in Jesus' name. Derek's been trying to kill me all week. 
Derek said, Pastor, I really need some help. I need some accountability. Will you start going to the pool with me and swimming with me and, 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 you know, helping me to get this off so I can get my surgery and all that? And I said, sure, Derek, I'll go to the pool with you. That's fine. So he's like, every time I turn around, Pastor, we're going to the pool today. Pastor, we're going to the pool today. Pastor, we're going to the pool today. Yeah, we're going. Okay, let's go to the pool. He gets me in the pool in an hour and a half, two hours. We're trusting back and forth, and we're doing these little weight things and these little arm things, and we're doing all this, and we're kicking and moving and shaking, and I don't know everything that we're doing. We're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and I finally decided, you know what? After after a couple of days of this and my body screaming, I finally decided, you know what, I'm done with this. So I started doing my exercises and saying, I ain't going to feel this tomorrow. I am not going to feel this tomorrow. I am the healed of the Lord. Jesus, I got it going on. And you know what? It worked. Because you, you have what you say. What did I do? I set my face like flint and said, I'm tired of you screaming at me, body. We're done with this nonsense. No, we ain't doing that. And then I got up and I was speaking it over my arms, but I wasn't speaking it over my legs. So I went to get out of bed in the middle of the night and I went, oh, Jesus. Oh, what happened? I texted Derek in the middle of the day and I said, I ain't got no pain in Jesus' name. We're like, I said, I ain't got no pain with you big, sad, like teary, like emoji. And I said, in Jesus' name. Ah! I thought, whoo. He said, Pastor, I agree. Amen. We ain't got no pain. Our body's lined up in Jesus' name. I thought, whoo, why are you trying to kill me, sir? Why? Why are you trying to kill me? Why? Cause, but why can I do that? Because I know what my Lord has said. Go to First Peter 2. First Peter two. Yeah, this chat, this verse, this verse ain't even in here. Whoo! But we ought to at least look at First Peter. Come on, First Peter. Who took Peter out of my Bible? Come on. There he is. First Peter two twenty four. Who his own self talking about Jesus? Peter is writing about Jesus. And how many, do you know that Peter was there when Jesus was striped? You know, the theologians have said, many theologians have said, well, Jesus received 39 stripes. I don't believe that's true. Whoa, you're kicking a sacred cow. I know. I know. By Roman law, a standard beating was 39 stripes. Because it was known, because it was, it was made knowledge that 40 stripes in a man could die. So they would always do 40 save one. But it says that Jesus was beat beyond the standard. Remember when they came? Remember it said that, uh, the, 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 the guards got, I'm not, these people were influenced by devils and demons. It says that those that were scourging him, I'm just summarizing, it says that they got a little, that they got enthusiastic. They kind of got drunk in, in whipping him. They got drunk in that power. What caused that? Demons. And they whipped him beyond the standard. I'm just summarizing it. Go back and look at it. You'll find that they actually whipped him beyond the standard. What made him able to withstand that? Because he did not listen to his physical body. He knew in his spirit... He was still whole. 
He knew in his spirit he was still whole. He told his body what it would do and what it would sustain. Remember, it says that he gave up the ghost. He gave up the ghost. It was his choice when he left. Uh, but notice it says here, it says, He uh, who his own self bear our what? Sins. Now, a lot of people don't like this, uh, but a lot of people say, well, they're good people. Why do bad things happen? Why do they get sick? Things like this. Now, I'm not saying this is the case every time. Don't throw stones at me. But a lot of times people get sick because of their own sins, because of their own choices. Give you a couple examples. And I'm not belittling anybody. We can all say that we've all made bad choices. But, you know, the, the person that chose to drink alcohol that now has live, cirrhosis of the liver, how much do we, uh, we, we know from a medical standpoint that's what happens when you drink too much alcohol. We know that when you eat too much came and he went back to what he knew and he went back to smoking and the cancer came back with a vengeance and it went from his lungs into his liver and within a very short period of time he left out of here prematurely it was sin that took my father out of my father-in-law out of here prematurely it was sin that took my stepfather out prematurely now are they in heaven yes they're in heaven uh am i okay with that no but i gotta be honest what causes these things is sin. Now, when a baby dies, does that mean that that baby sinned? No, not no, no. They're not accountable. But um, Holy Ghost gets me in trouble. The Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear that. Uh, you can see it in Leviticus 26. You can see it in Deuteronomy 28. Jesus, it's well known in the law. Now are we under the law? No, we're not under the law, but the principles of God still remain. <clears throat> Sin will not just affect your life, but it will affect your children's and your grandchildren's and your grandchildren and your grandchildren. That's what's referred to as generational curses. Does that mean that those parents sinned not necessarily brother randy you know he had sinned at one point in his life i mean come on he was in prison uh he was in prison uh but he got out he got right with god and all that uh got married to miss patty she got pregnant uh 
partway through the pregnancy, they said that Randall would never be born, their son. Uh, Randall was born. They, they got in the spirit, fought for his life. He was born, and a demon came against him as an infant would cause him to have seizures. And uh, Brother Randy and Miss Patty and those around him uh, would uh, carry him in the spirit and pray for him. And eventually the Lord showed him one day that there was a spirit that was attacking their son, a spirit of infirmity, and they commanded that spirit to go. And every time Randall would have a seizure, Brother Randy would grab a hold of him, command that demon to release him and let him go, and that demon would. And this was an ongoing problem. Well, there was one day that uh, they were back in the back with uh, Dad Hagen and other ministers and what have you. And all of a sudden, uh, Dad Hagen, who they had not said anything to about what was going on with them, Dad Hagen uh, asked, for, asked for the baby and, grabbed a, and, and was holding, brother, uh, holding little Randall. And uh, just, just by unction of the Holy Spirit... He reached down and laid his hand on him and told that spirit of infirmity to go and to never return. And Randall's never, and Randall had never had a seizure since then. They said that he would be a vet because of everything he went through at birth and prior to birth. They said that he'd be a vegetable all the days of his life. Um, but he's not a vegetable <laughs> by no means. That young man, he just turned 30, uh, and he is a top-notch pilot working for a for jet links he's one of their top pilots he's the youngest pilot they've ever had he's actually a captain he's actually an instructor and i think he's he dropped a couple of his certifications because you have to be certified on every type of plane that you drive that you fly that you drive randall don't get me uh <laughs> every type of plane that you fly and at one point in time he was uh he was certified on five different major jets i mean he's huh yeah, and you have to get recertified every six months. I mean, he's, I mean, he, he graduated at the top of his class, Sume K. Lottie, whatever that all is. Brother Randy said if it had been him, then he would have been, uh, su- uh, su- come, how, how come type thing, cause, you know, he was in prison, but his son came out on the top. So when a baby dies, does that mean that the parents sin? No, it means that I mean, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but what it means is we live in a cursed and dying world, and the curse comes. You know, that's why I said earlier, tribulations are going to come, uh, but what's, what, what do we need to know? It doesn't matter if the tribulation, it doesn't matter if sickness came because of your sin or because of sin in the world. Jesus handled the sin. Doesn't matter, Jesus handled it. Jesus handled it. Who his own self bear our sins on his body on the tree. Where did his, where did the sins get dealt with? On the tree. On the cross. That we being dead to sin. Look at this. That we being dead to sin. It's right and proper for us to live sin free once we come into Christ. He said, uh, that we being dead to sin should live onto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed now i said you got to set your face like your face like flint why because you know that you will not be ashamed the word says that because of what jesus went through you were healed if you were healed then you are healed now i'm gonna mess with somebody i don't know who but somebody needs to hear this 
Let me help you with this. The healed do not stay in the bed. If you are healed, you don't stay in the bed. I'm speaking from experience. Chronic pain will make you not want to move. Chronic pain will make, will you, you will, you will think, I just, I can't move. It will hurt too much. And I said all that to say, I was at a, at a I was seeing for a spell, I was seeing a, uh, a pain specialist and I, and I just looked at him and I'm sitting there going, something's got to give, something's got to break. And he looked at me and he said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, pain, check this out. He said, pain cannot kill you. It can't. He said, pain cannot kill you. He said, it may make you want to die, but it cannot kill you. He said, pain, especially chronic pain, is an indicator that damage has already occurred. Pain is not, uh, pain is not damage is occurring if it's a chronic pain. It means that, pain, that, that it has already occurred. So, faith is an act, which means that you have to act on your healing. How do you act on your healing? You get out of the bed. You move. You move. You get up. You move. You get up. You move. Now, stay connected. Stay connected. Stay connected. You got to get up. You got to move. All right. So, we're going to set our face like flint. Now, I want you to go to Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31. Now, a lot of these you'll know. Why don't you go to Romans 8.31. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Romans 8.31. Now, Paul, you know, I kind of, I get Paul. Paul's got a little bit of a, no, my young adult's. Don't don't throw stones at me because you're going to say, but pastor. So, yes, sarcasm to hurt, sarcasm to be rude, things like sarcasm in that context is wrong and it's sin because it's corrupt communication. But sarcasm to teach is not a bad thing. And Paul, because it makes you stop and think. And Paul is famous for, for teaching sarcasm. And he said, what shall, we, what shall we then say to these things? He was asking them. He was asking uh, the people there in the church of Rome about different issues and challenges that they were having. And they were, and they were basically whining and complaining. And Paul said this, if God be for us, who can be against us? Listen, if God's for you, what can be against you? What is, there's nothing against you that can succeed. Sickness, pain cannot succeed in your life. Why? Because God is with you. Poverty in your life cannot succeed. Why? Because God is with you. You cannot, if God's called, whatever God's called you to, rather it's a, rather, uh, it's, it's a doctor, rather it's a teacher, rather it's a cosmetologist, a plumber, whatever job he's called you to, 
If he's called you there, if he's placed you there, wherever he's called you, listen, once you find your pastor and you know the voice of your pastor, the Bible says that my sheep know the voice of their shepherd and a pastor is an under-shepherd. Once you find that pastor, set your face like flint to that pastor and say, I know God placed me here, so if you offend me because you correct me, I'll not be moved. Right? And so there were many of people that Paul offended because he asked them questions like this. Now, wait a minute. If God's called you and God's with you, how is it that, how is it that you're going to fail? You can't fail. You can't fail. You can't fail. Why? Because if God is with you, who can be against you? Who can stop you? Nobody. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop you. These are the promises. So, again, if God's with you and God tells you to go build an ark, are you going to be ashamed? Was, was Noah ashamed? Was uh, Moses ashamed when he went to Pharaoh? I mean, he was rejected ten times by Pharaoh. He, I mean, yeah, he was scared. Listen, there are going to be times, I, I told them, I'm going to make a shirt or some mug, something that says, Satan, I ain't scared. Ain't scared. Why? Because Jesus is on my side. Because Jesus has my back. Because Jesus has already whipped that foul devil. Because Jesus has already whipped every situation that I'm going to come up into in life. Jesus has already taken care of it. He's already handled it. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now we know these. And we love this one verse. But do you know what comes before it is the question. Philippians 4.13 we all know. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Woo! I can do anything. Well, that's true. But I want you to back up and look at what comes before it. Because he said in verse 11, Philippians 4, verse 11. Now, he just got done. He, Paul just got done. I can't go back there for sake of time. Paul just got done telling, ever, telling us what we're supposed to think on. Because he knows that if the devil can get us thinking and saying the wrong things, the devil has us. So Paul just told us what we're supposed to think on. And then he talk, and then he's talking about, uh, believe it or not, he, he kind of switches over and starts talking about uh, finances. And God, talking, and, and, and God providing through other people. Verse 11, he says, not that I speak in respect of want. In other words, he was, talking to the, he was talking to the church of Philippians about their giving. He said, and I'm not talking to you because I want something. He said, I'm talk, he said, he said for I have learned in whatever state I am, therefore to be content. Listen, if you're in the battle of your life, be content. If, you are, if, you're, if God said this is the direction, but he's not giving you the full picture, be content. If God has said, well, I just want you to, I'm, I'm going to plant you right here, and I just want you to stay right there, and you feel like you're not growing, be content. It, how much, you know, you know uh, there's a season with plants that it looks like ain't nothing happening. We call that fall and winter. You know, fall, it looks like everything just kind of dies off, and then winter comes, and it looks like there ain't nothing happening. 
But the whole winter long, do you know that plants are working underground? How many of you know God's working behind the scene when he plants you somewhere? He said, get planted. Listen, we went through a season, uh, and God, God gave me a vision. He called us into ministry. I saw it in a vision. I saw it's like things were going along, things were picking up, things were moving along, and then all of a sudden things went dark. And they were dark for a long period of time in this vision. And then all of a sudden we come out of it and things started popping again. But it was a slow start. And it was slow, and then all of a sudden, everything was full, and it was amazing. But that dark period, I thought, Lord, what is that? Lord never told me what the dark was. He never said. So I just, in the middle of this vision, there was just this dark thing. Well, looking back, I can now go, oh, that was the dark thing. But in the dark thing, we had a, we had a switch of pastors. My pastor, my mentor, my teacher uh, moved to heaven prematurely. Let me be clear. He went to heaven prematurely because he sinned and fit. Now he didn't. He didn't go out drinking and carousing anything like that. When you stand in the ministry office, disobedience is just as bad as other sins, worldly sins. Well, he got over into worry, which is a sin, which got him over into fear, which is a sin. When it got him over into making a bad choice, which was sin. And it opened the door for sickness to come on him, and he went out of here prematurely. So he went out of here prematurely. Some, his, some uh, people came in, became the pastors. And in that season, if, I mean, at first, uh, those, that pastor and his, and his wife absolutely rejected me in my face. I mean, wagged, their finger, wagged her finger in my face and said some, some not very nice things. No profanities, but might as well been. And uh, said, we ain't ever, no, 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 no. And I, I mean, I cried my way all the way home, and I lived an hour away from the church at that point. But God said, stay put, stay planted, stay put, stay planted. And we stayed put, and we stayed planted for 13 years. And in that, the youth ministry that we had built basically came to naught. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what happened. Not because of our effort or not because of our work, but because of the leadership over us. But God said, stay planted, stay planted, stay planted. And I'm telling you what, I was on my face more times than I can count. Tears in my eyes, begging and pleading and crying. I'd go to my spiritual father and say, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And every time he'd look at me and he'd go, just pray, just pray, just pray. Pray it through, pray them through, pray it through, pray it through. And I get, I mean, we were in such a dark place, and I get so frustrated, and I can kind of murmur and complain to my husband or my mom, and they'd say, well, do you want to call Brother Randy? And I'd say, no. They'd say, well, why not? I said, because I know what he's going to say. I can already hear it. Lord teaching and training. He's just going to look at me and say, just pray him through. And I'm already praying. Listen, I'm a little redhead. A little attitude. I'm praying this thing through. And uh, so, so, but I, why? I stayed planted. Stayed planted. You got to stay planted even when it's hard, even when it's rough, even when you don't understand why you're being planted, why you're in that mess. Why, oh, why, oh, why, God? And then the lights began to come on. And about six months ahead of time, I was driving to Tulsa, and the Lord, I was having a conversation with the Lord. I should have pulled over, but I didn't because I was in tears or whatever, and it was an 18-hour drive, and I was finally almost there. And the Lord began to talk to me, and the Lord said, I'm fixing to move your pastors 
from ministry. And when I do this blueprint that I've been giving you, you and your husband are going to step into that and you're going to do it. And part of that was you're going to close the ministry of your founding pastor. That was hard. And you're going to start the ministry that I've called you to start. So that's how we ended up here. But I tell you what, in those 13 years of darkness, Michael and I got the best education you could ever get. Because we learned not only what to do, but we also learned what not to do. And now, not only are we pastoring here, but we've got some ministry friends that are in the exact same boat we were in. And now we're sitting there telling them, be faithful. Honor the pastors. Stay planted. Stay put. Pray. It's going to be okay. You're going to come out the other side. Just stay with God. Set your face like flint and don't be moved. And, uh, and we're helping them through because we can speak from experience. So Paul said here, he said, oh, Lord, you're going to have to help me get this through time. He said, I have learned in whatever state I am in. Listen, it's easy to be happy and content when everything's going your way. You gotta learn to stay happy and content when nothing's going your way. You gotta learn to stay, it's easy to be content when you got money in the bank. It's hard to be content when you don't know where the next meal's coming from. It's easy to be happy and content when your body's cooperating with you and healthy and whole and ain't talking back to you. It's a whole nother thing when you gotta get that, when you gotta beat that thing into obedience every morning and every evening. It's a whole, and I'm not talking physical, don't physically beat yourself up. And honestly, don't mentally beat yourself up either. Don't do that. That's just as bad. You're doing Satan's work for him. (laughs) I mean, come on. He said, I know both how to be abased, in other words, things going wrong, and I know how to abound. How much do you know Paul understood? I mean, he'd been shipwrecked and beat and boiled in oil and, I mean, all kinds of things. Every, he said, in everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Another, what do you mean full and hungry? We should be full and content on our supply of God at all times. Our understanding, our level of understanding, we should be content with it. We should be happy with it. But at the same time, we should hunger for more. We should hunger for more. What The biggest problem with most Christians, I'm going to tell you the biggest problem with most Christians. Most Christians come to Christ in the, at the rock bottom pit of their life where everything is going wrong. They ain't got no money. They ain't got no job. They ain't got no help. They're sick. They got all kinds of problems. Everything's wrecked and ruined. And they come to Jesus crying and pitiful and naked. And Jesus gets a hold of them and begins to straighten them out. And Jesus gets them a nice home, a nice car, a nice family a nice house a nice job and they sit back and they coast lukewarm no they need to get their hunger back they need to get their hunger back come on i'm preaching to myself too because i've been there too come on both to abound and to suffer he said i know what it is to have a lot and i know what it is to have a little he knows what it is He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Which means it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you can come through it because of Jesus Christ. 
Well, I just, I've got this situation. I need an answer two and a half months from now. Well, sit back, honey. Jesus ain't coming back with it today. He ain't coming early. Jesus is not bringing your answer two months early. Why? Because it doesn't require any faith. Jesus is not coming in early. Well, if this healing would just manifest, then I know I'd have it. No, you got to know you have it before you man- before it will manifest. Which means you can't lay in the bed and go, I'm just waiting on Jesus to heal me. Honey, Jesus has already healed you. He's waiting on you to reach out and grab it and take it like it's yours. That's what he's waiting on. Everybody's waiting on him and he's waiting on all of us. No, uh-uh. We can't be that way. No, <laughs> no, what does it mean? <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It means whatever I'm up against, I can get through it. I can get through this. I can do this. So I said, uh, you will not, fa- uh, you, um, with God, you cannot fail or you cannot fail with God. I want to talk to you about our beloved Peter. Wait, was that the man you wanted to talk to us about? Yeah, I want to talk to you about Peter. You know how many times Peter failed? Peter failed a lot. Peter failed a lot. Do you know that Peter walked on the water? He did. I'm going to show it to you shortly, but first I want to talk to you about some of his failings. I want you to go to um, Mark 14. Mark 14. Because what happens with a lot of people is they mess up. Once, twice, two, three times, and they go, see, I just can't do it. Well, now, wait a minute. If you can't do it, then Jesus is a liar. Because by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit prompted Paul to write, I can do all things by Christ Jesus. So if you hit something in your life and you go, I just can't do it, I'm just not capable, well, I just can't help but sin, then Jesus is a liar. Because Jesus came so that you could overcome sin. That's why he came. Jesus, well, I, we, yeah, I'm going to overcome sin. I'm going to overcome sin when I go into the great by and by. You better watch that, girl. You better watch that, young man. You better watch that. You better get in the Word and find out. I have, I, we, did a, we did a series where we went and found 11 verses in the New Testament where if you willfully, purposely sin continually and habitually after you receive Jesus Christ, you don't make heaven. The reason that people, in, there's the reason, listen, you want to know why the church is getting called away and there's going to be seven years of tribulation? The primary reason is so that the Jews can get in. Because here's the deal. The Jews aren't getting in just because they're Jews. The Jews have to receive Jesus. Oh, sacred cow. The Jews have to receive Jesus just like everybody else. They have to. That's why in the seven-year tribulation, God marks 144,000 Jews so that they can preach Christ to the Jews so that they can receive Jesus as the Messiah before he comes for his millennial reign. However, Lord Jesus, where'd we go? I got you. All right. You've got, but, was, but here's the deal. Jesus came for you not to sin. He conquered sin so that you, so that you can walk sin free. But I've got this stronghold in my life. I know you do, honey, but Jesus has already broke it. 
what are you going to have to do? You are going to have to crucify your flesh. You are going to have to nail that problem to the cross, just like Jesus nailed his body to the cross. Which means when Jesus went to the... Jesus didn't want to go to the cross for your sin. He didn't want to go there, but he did. Listen, I know, ooh, I know you don't want to go to the cross. I, I know you don't want to nail your profanity to the cross, but you need to. I know you don't want to nail your, um, your, uh, tobacco, your vaping, your cigars, your beer, your alcohol, your gossip, ooh, there's a big one. You're gossiping, you're murmuring, you're complaining, you're lying to the cross, but you better. But you better. Why? Because Jesus, and not only, not only should you do it, but Jesus made you able. Able. Well, Pastor, you mean tell me you don't cuss? No, I do not. No, I don't. Well, Pastor, you mean you don't gossip? No, I do not. I keep what needs to be private, private. I don't get up in everybody's business. I don't, I don't sit there and go, I, I, I don't. She's looking at me. As a pastor, I will get up in the business of our sheep. But I don't get up in the business of everybody else, and I don't share their business out there in the world. Now, with that said, this is a transparent church. And uh, if you got something going on, and we're going to call it, we're going to, we're going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it after you overcome it. We're going to talk about it after you overcome it. Well, why? Because you have a testimony to help other people. Well, do you drink? Never. Do you smoke? Never. Do you dip? Never. Do you do drugs? Never, and other than what's prescribed, and it ain't much. Uh, do you uh, do you gossip? No. Do you murmur? I've, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. I just let's just be honest. This flesh gets a hold of me every now and again. Well, do you ever lose your ang- do you ever lose your temper? Not unless you mess with my sheep. Now you mess with my sheep, and ooh. The, um, don't mess with my sheep. Don't mess with my sheep. Why? Because I'm accountable for them. Don't mess with them. Glory to God. I will protect them with everything in me. Why? Because that's what Jesus would have me do. Glory to God. How'd y'all get me here? <laughs> Peter. Come on, we're talking about Peter. Peter, Mark 14. Oh, my goodness. Now, what did Peter do? Well, let's look. Oh, my goodness. Peter did a couple things wrong. Let's start right here. Let's, let's start with this one right here. Uh, verse 33. Mark 14, verse 33. We're going to look at this one first. It says, And he, talking with him, Peter, or I'm saying, And he taketh with him Peter, and James, and John. Who took him? Jesus. Jesus took Peter, and James, and John, uh, and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy. Uh, This is Jesus going to the Garden of Gethsemane after the uh, Passover meal with his his disciples. And... uh, and saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry, uh, tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed, If it were possible, the hour might pass 
from him. In other words, he was saying, God, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to go to the whipping post. I don't want to go before the jury. Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, dear Lord Jesus, <laughs> let's do the other direction. Let's do the other way. And, uh, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto, unto thee. Look at this. He said, God, there ain't nothing you can't do. Jesus, Jesus declared, God, there's nothing that you can't do. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou will. How much you know Jesus, the Father God could have spared Jesus from the whipping post. He could have prevented Jesus from being crucified. But had he done so, then our penalty for sin would not have been paid. If Jesus, if Jesus had said, all things are possible unto thee, take away this cup from me, period, exclamation point, done, Jesus would have never gone to the whipping post or the cross. But Jesus stopped. Jesus got his flesh under control, and he said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. He was obedient to the call. If you will be obedient to what God has called you to, you can not fail. Jesus had to stay obedient when they were telling him that he was a blasphemer. He had to stay obedient during the trial. He had to stay obedient during the crown of thorns. He had to stay obedient when they were ripping out his beard and spitting in his face. He had to stay obedient when they stripped him naked. He had to stay obedient when they whipped him. He had to stay obedient when they made him carry the cross. He had to stay obedient when they nailed him to the cross. He had to be obedient when he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He had to be obedient when he willingly... Listen, Jesus knew that when he gave up the ghost... He was going to be separated from the Father until the Father said that was enough and the Holy, and the Father sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to trust the Father with his eternity. He did not have a guarantee in front of him that the Father was going to deliver him. He went and experienced hell in its fullness on our behalf. And then when the penalty was fully paid, the Father said to the Holy Spirit, that is enough, go get him. And when the Holy Spirit went and got him, Jesus came out of there victorious. Jesus Walked over, I believe this with everything in me. Uh, Reverend Ed Dufresne had a vision of Jesus laying in the cell, being whipped and tormented. And he saw the Spirit come and quicken Jesus. And Jesus busted the gate of his cell wide open. This is how, Dad, this is how Ed Dufresne described it. He said, I saw Jesus get up and he walked with those long Galilean legs to the throne of Satan and he kicked him in the head with the heel of his foot with such 
force that it flipped Satan backwards off of his throne. And then he walked up to him, grabbed the keys, and then he set the captives free. I believe with everything in me that that's true because it agrees with the scriptures. Listen, when Jesus, the same spirit that quickened Jesus, the same spirit that went into hell this, and raised, him, and raised his, him from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that put him back in his physical body and restored his physical body, the same Holy Spirit that was on him those three and a half years, that same quickening Holy Spirit lives inside each and every single believer, every single one of us, that same spirit lives in us but it didn't live in peter didn't live in peter not until the book of acts not until the book of acts so he said he said father if it's possible let it pass and he came and findeth them sleeping and he said now who's there peter james and john but who's he talked to he talked to peter he said simon sleepest thou Simon, what are you doing? Peter, what are you doing? Do you know that Peter's name translates rock? Rock. He said, Peter, you're supposed to be my rock and you're asleep. How much you know Peter felt bad in that moment? How much you know in that moment Peter felt like he couldn't do nothing right? How much you know in that moment Peter felt like he failed God? Yeah, he did. And Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to give you another chance. Watch ye and pray, lest you enter into temptation. He said, Peter, you need to stay awake and you need to pray or you're going to fall into some temptation, Peter. He said, you're going to fall into some temptation, Peter. He said, it's coming. He said, and this is what God said about Peter. This is what Jesus said to Peter. He said, Peter, your spirit truly is ready. Your spirit's ready. That's what God says to each and every one of us today. Your spirit is ready, but your flesh is weak. Your flesh is weak. Your problem is not your spirit. Your problem is your flesh. It's weak in its ability to stay with God. It's weak. And again, he went away and prayed and spake, these, and, uh, and spake the same words. And he returned and he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy. Neither was risk uh, they what uh, to answer them. They didn't know how to answer them. They didn't know what to. They didn't. They didn't understand why they couldn't stay awake. They couldn't stay awake because of demonic oppression. They couldn't stay awake because of demonic oppression. They had not built themselves. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. They didn't have the Holy Ghost to overcome. And he cometh a third time and saith unto them, Sleep now. Three times. Three times Peter failed the same test. Three times he failed it. Three times. Now we know, uh, I mean, come on. Poor Peter. Go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Peter failed there. Because people go... Peter go, I just, I just keep failing God. The same, I keep making the same mistake over again. Well, guess what? So did Peter. Matthew 26, verse 33. Jesus is talking about 
going to the cross. And Peter answered and said unto him, uh, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. He said, Jesus, I'm not going to be offended of you. He said, I'm not going to be offended of you. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Jesus told Peter ahead of time. Jesus told Peter before he ever went to the garden. He told Peter, Peter, you're going to end up denying me. Not once, not twice, but three times. Then he's in the garden when he should be praying through that he's not going to do that. How much, you know, if you're with, I don't know about you, but I would like to think that if Jesus looked at me and said, you're going to deny me three times. Before the cock crows. I'm thinking, I'm going to be, oh, I'm going to be in my prayer closet. Oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, Jesus, help me. But here Peter is in the garden. You would think that that conviction was on him, and yet he fell asleep three times. Then he fell, and Jesus even said, came to him the first time when he fell asleep and said, "Uh, Peter, I've already warned you. I've already told you you're going to fall three times. Uh, You need to pray this thing through. Now listen, as a pastor, I have told people this. I have told people, if you don't deal with this problem in your life, you're going to fall back into sin. I have told people, if you don't get in your prayer closet, if you don't pray this thing through, you're going to fall back into sin. I have told people, if you don't sit to deal with this situation, you're going to get back into sin. And they're over here going, yep, yep, yep. Why do you think they're saying, yep, yep, yep? Because they've seen it and they've been the ones been told it. They've experienced it. And I'm not judging them. I know what's going to happen because I've done been there. I've done been there. Good country talk. I've already been there. He said, he said, you're going to fail. Well, we don't have, we know the story for sake of time. We know that, J- that Peter ends up denying Christ three times. He denies him three. Not only does he deny him, he denies him to the point that he starts using profanities. How much do you know Peter feels like he's done measure up? How much do you know he feels like he ain't going to make it? He ain't going to make it. Back up to uh, chapter 16. Why don't you look at this, look at this right here. Matthew 16. They're at the they're at the last dinner or, or uh, there Jesus is fellowshipping with them Matthew sixteen uh, verse fifteen Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's asking his disciples who they say he is who the people say they is and then he asks them he said uh, he's talking to Peter specifically and he said and, and uh, Peter answers um, answers them. And Jesus said, it says, and he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter knew he was the Messiah. Peter knew exactly who he was. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, the little rock, and upon this rock, the revelation of who Christ is, 
I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the assembly of the body of Christ. And I will, Jesus says, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Why? Because uh, you got to come to that knowledge on your own. And it wasn't time. Not only that, if they found out who he was, he would have died before his walk was done. From that time forth uh, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Then Peter took him. Peter grabbed Jesus the Messiah. He physically grabbed a hold of him and began to rebuke. This word rebuke does not mean to speak too softly and sweetly. This word means that he grabbed a hold of Jesus Messiah. I imagine he probably grabbed him something like this and said, Jesus, he got in his face and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. In other words, no, Jesus, you're not going to the cross. No, Jesus, you're not leaving me. No, we're not going to do this, Jesus. No, uh-uh, no, we ain't doing this. He said, this shall not be unto thee. Obviously, Peter understood something about words. He said, we ain't doing this. <laughs> Woo! But he turned and said to Peter. So in other words, he didn't grab him in the front. He grabbed him in the back and began to speak to him. He was pulling him back. They know you ain't going. And look at what Jesus said to Peter's face. He looked, at, he looked Peter in the face and he said, Satan... Thou art an offense to me. How much you know right about now, Peter felt uh, lower down than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. How much you know, he felt low. He said, For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. In other words, he looked Peter in the face and he said, Peter, you're more concerned with yourself than the rest of the world. He said, you're more concerned with your worldly emotions than you are with the Father's plan. I'm going to show you that's a problem all Christians have. That's why we fail is because we get our eyes on self instead of our eyes on him. And uh, how much you know, G, uh, how much you know, right about now, Peter feels low. Go to uh, John chapter 16. This wasn't where I was going, but let's just look at this real quick. John 16. And uh, John, starting around chapter 14, John, uh, Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he's got to go, but the one that's coming is going to be just like him. Going to be just like him. So in John 16, I wasn't going here, so give me just a minute. Let me just a minute. 
Is it John 16? Isn't it good when God uh, brings things to our remembrance? John 16, verse uh, 7. I thought it was later in the chapter. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. But when he is come, he will reprove, which means to correct, the world of sin. That includes the righteous. He will include, this means everybody, everybody. He said, I will, he said, I will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe me not. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. The Holy Spirit will always reprove you and correct you into truth. Do not despise the Holy Spirit correcting you either through your own spirit or through your pastor or through a brother or sister in Christ. That is the reason the Holy Spirit is there. This man-made Jesus is, Jesus doesn't correct anybody. Jesus loves everybody exactly the way they are. Jesus accepts it all exactly the way it is. But... That's not who Jesus is. Jesus was constantly correcting everybody. I get, I get for my young people primarily, uh, from, because, you know, older people, they don't have to get corrected quite as much, hopefully. Especially if they've been walking with Jesus for a while. But the young ones, they gotta, you gotta train them up, right? They come to me all the time. I get phone calls, I get texts, I, they walk in the door and they go, Pastor, why you always got to be right? It is not Miss Robbie that is right. It is the Holy Ghost on the inside. On the Holy Ghost on the inside. Don't despise when, when the Holy Ghost leads and guides you the right way. Why? Because the Holy Ghost leading and guiding you the right way will keep you from failing. Write that down. The Holy Ghost leading and guiding you will keep you from failing. He will keep you from failing. Now, we can go to Matthew 16. Or 14. Did we do it? We did Matthew 16, didn't we? All right. So, let's go to Matthew 14. Stay hooked up because God's going to do something. Well, we're getting close on time. I know. Matthew 14. Oh, goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Let's talk about one more thing that uh, y'all go to. Y'all go to Matthew 14. I'm going to go to John. So we'll bring this up on the board. John 18. I'm just put you in remembrance of some of Peter's failings. I'm going to go to John 18, verse 10. If you'll bring this up on the board, it says, "Then Simon Peter, this is remember, this is after the garden, after he slept." He slept through his prayer time. Now here they are to take Jesus. 
And uh, remember, at the, at, if you recall, at the Passover, Jesus told them to pick up their swords. So Peter's thinking, we're going to physical war. That's what Peter's thinking. And uh, so Peter's got his sword on his side because Jesus told him to get his sword. And here they are, massive. I mean, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of people there to collect Jesus. And uh, they came to take him. And, and look what Peter does. It says, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant. These were special guards for guarding the high priest. This was the Jewish police is really who this was. And, it, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Uh, so here Peter is in the midst of the atonement. All these people are here to take them. He's, he's like determined, I am not going to deny Christ. I'm going to fight with every breath in me. He cuts off the ear of this Jewish officer. And look what Jesus does to him. Then said Jesus to Peter, Put up thy sword into thy seat. He said, The cup which is my father, which my father has given me, uh, shall I not drink it? He asked him. He said, Peter, what are you doing? Because Peter again is consumed in the flesh. He's again consumed in the flesh. Listen. But, well, Pastor, I thought we were talking about not failing. I want you to see that it doesn't matter how many times you mess up. If you'll just stay with God. If you'll just keep first John and one nine it. If you'll just keep going to God and saying, God, I missed it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll do better. Don't quit on me. Keep working on me. I'll get there. Obviously, that's what Peter was doing because Peter kept messing up. But Peter also did something amazing, even without the Holy Ghost. Even without the Holy Ghost, Peter did the most amazing thing. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. I'm telling you what. Matthew 14, verse 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. They didn't want to be away from Jesus. How much do you know? You don't want to be away from Jesus. This is a good thing. Their face was set like flint. They were like, Jesus, we are keeping you with us at all times. But how much do you know? If Jesus was here in the physical still today, he would be limited as to how many people he could be with. He would be limited. Could you imagine all the believers trying to get alone time with Jesus? Man, that would be a nightmare. I'd be like, huh, I'm number 6,052. And they're over here like, number 12. Like, oh, man, that's going to be a long wait. But okay, Jesus. No. So they said no. So he said, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him onto the other side. What did Jesus tell his disciples to do? He said, go the other side. When Jesus tells you to go, go. God's going to be with you because you have the direction to go. When Jesus tells you to stay, stay. Why? Because that's where your provision is. If he says go, your provision's on the go. If he says stay, your provision's on the stay. Whatever Jesus says, that's what you do because that's where you're going to find God. He said he told him to go to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. 
He'd been there with him for three days. He just fed him. He's got hundreds of thousands of people just flocking to him, and they're going, Jesus, uh, do you really? Listen, I, I, I've my husband has ushered, been head usher uh, for our pastors, and, and we help usher with Brother Randy and Miss Patty. And, you know, it's the job of the usher, which is what the 12 disciples were. They were Jesus' ushers. It's, it's the job of the usher to protect the minister. And you want me to send you away? I don't think so. When we go to Brother Randy's meetings, he's got two ushers that go to his room and walks him down. And they go with him and walk him to his room. When Miss Patty goes out for the day, uh, one of us goes with her. Somebody goes with her. Why? Because it's, because we're protecting. We're watching over. We're keeping up with them. We're making sure that, that nothing happens. And Jesus said, I got this. And there's times that they go, we got this. And we're like, um, no. <laughs> I mean, she'll get, go to the bathroom and I'll go out the door and walk behind her. And, and I, I'll just stand, I stand in the bathroom, you know, I'll go and make sure there's nobody in there and then I'll just stand at the door and I'll just wait for her. And she'll come out and she'll say, you didn't. I said, no ma'am, I'm going, I'm, you're important. They did the same thing. Where did we learn that? From the disciples taking care of Jesus. And uh, he said, I'll send the multitudes. He says, um, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into, the, into a mountain apart to pray. He needed some alone time with God. Listen, ooh, you got to get your alone time with God because some amazing things happen when you get your alone time with God. And, uh, and when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, um, for the wind was contrary. Now, we know the, lake, uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee is really what we would refer to as a giant lake. Uh, but Miss Kathy was out in Israel hiking, and one of these windstorms came up and uh, about carried her and her tent off. I mean, I remember her texting and saying, I now understand why they were in fear. I now get it. Because the wind was just so, just, I mean, just vicious. And she said, now I get it. And um, he said, uh, for the wind was contrary. And uh, it says, and in the fourth watch of the night, so this is the wee hours of the morning, we're not too far from dawn, Jesus uh, went on to them walking on the sea. So here you are. You're in this boat. It ain't much of a boat. Uh, it's, but it's, I mean, it's a boat. They're in this boat, and the waves are crashing, and the wind's blowing, and it's crazy. And they look out, and there's somebody walking on the water. Walking on the water. Walking on the sea. It says, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Ah, there's a ghost, there's a ghost. Listen, there ain't no ghost. <laughs> there's, there's spirits. <laughs> and, uh, but that's not what this was. This was Jesus in his physical body. And it says, but straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Listen, Jesus said... Don't worry about the storm. Don't worry about the wind. Don't worry about who's out here on the water. He said, be of good cheer. In other words, he said, get out of fear and get happy. That's what he said. He said, get out of fear and get over into joy. 
Woo! Get over into joy. And they're thinking, you want me to get happy? I think I'm going to drown. And you want me to get happy. He said, get, he said, be a good cheer as I be not afraid. Listen, we should never be in fear. Fear is Satan's kingdom. If you're in fear, Satan's got a hold of you. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Now, Peter, now Peter hadn't had his troubles. Peter had not had his troubles up to this point. Peter's full of faith. Peter's been right there. He's been Jesus' right-hand man. He's been right there with him. He's been spending time with him. He's been talking to him. He, I mean, he's, I mean, he's the one. Peter's got it. And he said, Jesus! He's so full of faith. He said, Jesus, if that's truly you, bid me to come. In other words, Jesus, if you call me, I'll come. Jesus, if you call me, you tell me to go, I'll come. Jesus, I just want to serve you, I'll come. Jesus, if nobody will go, I'll go. I remember praying that prayer. There was an old song out there years ago uh, by C.C. Uh, Winans Kids, and it was called, Lord, Send Me. And the point of that whole song was, Lord, if ain't nobody else willing to go, I'll go. Well, I was so full of fear and intimidation and, and, and had such a show, low self-image, I didn't think I could work my way out of a wet paper bag, but I love the Lord so much that I said, Lord, the world needs you. If nobody else will go, I'll go. Send me. It was the cry of my heart. And then God said, okay, called. And I went, <gasps> how much, you know, Paul went, Jesus said, he said, uh, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. And he's probably, his knees are probably knocking and he's probably thinking, Jesus, don't say it. Jesus, don't say it. Oh, Jesus. How many, have you ever been in a service with the prophet and the prophet starts walking the rows? Like, and they're over here prophesying to this one and you're over there thinking, yeah, come to me over here, come to me. And they're talking to this one and then all of a sudden they start walking over here towards you and you start going, not me, not me, not me. Cause they just called something out over here. And now you're going, no, 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 not me, no, 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 no. Oh, Jesus, I repent of everything. Right? How much you know that's what Peter was doing? How much you know that's what Peter was doing? Oh, not me, Jesus! Uh, <laughs> and Jesus said, come. Now, now Peter's got a decision. Does he come? Does he chicken out? He's so full of faith. He says, and when Peter saw, and Peter, he said, and Peter was come down out of the ship. Peter didn't, it doesn't say that Peter timidly touched his Foot over to test the water to see if, ooh, maybe. It says Peter came. It says he was come. So Peter went, whoosh. And he said, ooh, I'm walking on the water. That's pretty cool. I'm walking. This is good. Like, man, this is great. How much you know, when you start moving with God, you're thinking, this is good. Oh, but what happens to Peter? <sighs> says, he says, but he's come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. He walked. Does it say it took a few steps? It says that he walked on the water to go to Jesus. His path was determined. He was walking. He was going that way. And immediately, um, he, said, he said, but when he saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid. And here's the biggest miracle of all, miracle of all. And he began to sink. I don't know about you, but have you ever began to sink on water? 
Last time, last time I checked, I mean, I told you I've been at the pool. Every time I step out on that pool, I go down. Just, I'm like, Jesus, I am not walking here on the water. I'm walking under the water, but I ain't walking on the water. He began to, to sink. In other words, he began to get into fear, and he got to looking at circumstances. And he got to looking at situations. And he got to looking at how his body felt. He got to looking at what his bank account said. He got to looking at what the rumor at the workplace was. He got to looking at the threatenings around him. It says, uh, but when he saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink. Now, Paul, now here Peter does something amazing. Beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Well, Jesus has already saved him. Jesus has already saved you. You don't need to be saved again. And immediately, what does Jesus do? Jesus immediately, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Jesus was standing right in front of him. He was walking on the water. And then he started to go, oh, he got to look at the situation. And he started going, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do this, Jesus. I can't do what you called me to. I can't get away from the sin. I can't. Breaking that sin, putting that sin on the flesh, on, on, the, cur- on the cross. Oh, I just, I'm jonesing for that cigarette. I'm jonesing for that drink. Oh, I just, ooh, I heard some juicy gossip at work today. I got to go tell somebody. No. Jesus, help me keep my mouth shut. Jesus, help me to get my flesh under control. Jesus, I need you. You will never have to resist a situation in your life to the point that you sweat blood because Jesus has already done it for you. You are promised to come through. You are promised. If you, There's no sickness or disease that Jesus cannot cast out and remove from your body, but you've got to stay in the fight even when symptoms are there. Even when symptoms are there. We go on and we find out that Peter was the one that preached the first sermon for the New Testament church. We find out that Peter did great works all through the books of Acts. And Peter, the one who messed up so many times, wrote two books of the New Testament. Two books of the New Testament, First and Second Peter. Peter, who we sat there and said, well, he did this and he failed there and he failed there. He wrote two books of our, of our New Testament. He wrote it. Come on. Come on. It don't matter how many times you messed up. God will bring you through if you won't quit on him. If you won't quit on him, he won't quit on you. Now, I told you all to stay hooked up. If you have chronic pain in your body, I'm not talking about as a new injury. I'm talking about chronic pain. And, 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 and I want to say this. You've had hands laid on you before, and the pain's gone, but then the pain comes back. If you've had, if you if you deal with chronic pain, now does that mean that that's the only thing that Lord's willing to heal? No, but right now He wants to deal specifically with chronic pain. If that's you, there's anointing here to break that chronic pain. And he, so if you want, we can lay hands on you. We're going to rebuke that pain. That pain is going to leave in Jesus' name. Now. It will stay gone as long as you never receive the package again. 
Let me clarify that. There's going to be time, there may be, I'm not going to say it will, but there may be time that that pain will try to come back on you. And and I'm telling you, I, I have dealt with this. There's been times I had hands laid on me, and I mean, it was great for a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, a month or two, and then all of a sudden the pain came back with vengeance. If that happens, you have got to stand your ground and refuse to take the package. You have to speak to it. You have to declare out of your mouth, I am not in pain. You, you have to, you will have to rebuke the pain again. You will have to say, oh no, I mean, out of your mouth with some vigor and some fight about you. You may have to say, oh no, Satan, I recognize this. This does not belong to me. This pain is yours. Now you get it and you take it and you get out in Jesus name because I'm not receiving it. And then whatever, whatever hurt, don't, don't, don't injure yourself. But if it, if it's painful to walk, begin to walk by faith. Now when I say begin to walk by faith, I don't mean hobble. I mean do everything you can to walk as normally as you can and say, I have no pain in Jesus' name. The pain is gone in Jesus' name. The pain is gone in Jesus' name. I have no pain in Jesus' name. And you stay faithful with it. Rather, it's a few minutes, a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, a few months. You stay faithful. And here's why you're going to have to do this. Because I'm talking to people that have had chronic pain and people that have been in this battle for some time. Satan has brought this package onto you time and time again. And he knows your threshold. And he's going to try to push you past your threshold. And he's going to try to get you to give in. I learned this the hard way. The pain would come on me with such vengeance that I'd start off good out of the gate. But then the battle in the mind would begin to speak because pain is very loud. And I would begin, and the thought would come, well, I guess it's not going to work this time. I guess it's just more than I can handle. Jesus, I guess I'm going to have to rely on the doctors. And it's not bad to go to the doctor. I went to the doctor through the situation. It's not bad to do that. But when I finally got to the place where I said, when I finally got to the place where I said, I don't care how long it takes, I'm going to continue to declare that I'm pain-free. I'm going to continue to act like I'm pain-free. I'm not going to lay down in the bed today. I'm going to get up. I'm going to move my body. I'm going to do what I have to do. It wasn't until I did that that I got my total freedom. You've got to, you've got to push through it. Why is it so hard in this day? It's hard in this day because there's a demonic oppression in our nation like there has never been in the history of our nation. So now we as Christians, we have got to stand up and stand in our authority and not quit. Every time Jesus came up against the devil, he was strong, he was forceful, and he refused to take no for an answer. So if you're dealing with chronic pain and you want me to pray for you, I will come up to the front quickly. We're going to rebuke it. The pain is going to go. Derek's a walking testimony. The other day, he has a habit of his one foot turning in. 
His one foot will turn in, and when it does that, that knee and that hip, and I, he was walking, and he was, uh, uh, and I said, Derek, what are you doing? And he said, he said, my hip. And I said, your foot's turned in. He said, yes, ma'am. I said, that's what your problem is. He said, yes, ma'am. I said, I've taught you before. Don't let it do that. He said, you're right, ma'am. I said, fix it. And so he stopped. He forced that foot to go out, and he forced himself to walk normal. And the next day, he was walking perfectly normal without that hip pain. So you you, you got to do that. All right. Glory to God. Well, praise Jesus. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to pray. I just want you to receive. No praying, just receiving. Just receiving. See, you don't have to ask for healing. Jesus has already provided it. It's already done. It's already finished. It's already done. It's already finished. In Jesus' mighty name. So when I lay hands on you, all you have to do is say, Father, I receive it. I receive it. Miss Patty, where are you having chronic pain, honey? In your back. Where? Upper back or lower back? Or everywhere? Everywhere. Okay. All right. Next question. Is there stuff that you cannot do or that causes you more pain? Okay. So, like, if you twist or move or anything like that, just different pains. Okay. Where's, where's your most pain right now? You can't get down. Do you have problems with your knees? Well, good gravy. we got to fix these joints. Come on. All right. Just just raise your hands to Jesus. Just put, just get an image of him. He, when I, me touching you does nothing. When I touch you, it's just, it's just a contact point for you to say, that's the moment Jesus touched me and healed me. Okay? Just close your eyes, get an image of Jesus. Father, your word says that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, Lord, you know that I know that, heal, that sickness, pain, and disease has to go immediately. And you know that I always believe for the instant miracle. So, Father, as I lay my hands on Patty, Father, I lay my hands on her. And, Father, I speak, oh, I speak your healing power into her body from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Father, I'm going to lay my hands on your back, honey. Father, ah, I speak to this back. I command the spine to line up. I command the muscles to release that are tight, I command the tendons to straighten, the muscles to straighten. I command every, every vertebrae, every disc to come into line. I command the nerve pathways to be opened. And, Father, I command that pain to go in Jesus' name. Now, pain, you leave her, you release her, and you let her go in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we speak to these knees, both of them. We speak to both these knees, and we command them to line up. We command the cartilage to be restored. Father, restoration, restoration, restoration of the parts of the body. Have a seat back here. Come back here. I want you to sit down right here. Can you bend your knees? Is it? Can you? Can you? Can you lift them? Does that hurt to lift them? It's just getting down on them. Well, Father, we speak to these knees. We speak to this cartridge. We speak to this situation. And we command it to be healed. We command it to be whole. Creative, creative courage. Oh, hamaha. Hustle, hustle. Strengthening, 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 strengthening. In Jesus' mighty name. Now I want you to get up and walk around. Lift your legs, bend your shoulders. Do whatever you got to do. It's an act of faith. Just start moving, no matter what you feel. Just start moving. You walk around, whatever you need to do. Twist, whatever you can. 
All right, Miss Cheryl, what you got where? Everywhere. Everywhere. Anything in particular? Uh, you're crooked. You're leaning. You're leaning. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. So is the spinal stenosis high or low? It's from the top to the bottom, and it's in your neck. Okay. 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 Just raise your hands as well as you can. Father, we speak to the stenosis. Well, Father, we command those ligaments. We command those ligaments to soften. We command those ligaments. We command the pathways to be opened, to be opened, to be opened, to be opened in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we command this body to straighten out. Father, we command this body to straighten out. We command it to straighten, to straighten, to straighten, to straighten out. Straighten out. Father, we speak to these knees. We speak to these knees. We speak to these knees. Strengthen, 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 strengthen. Strengthened and whole. Strengthened and whole. You got problems in your hands? Do your hands ever bother you? No? Good. That's good. Okay, that's good. Good. Father, oh, na na Oh, there it is. Father, we thank you for that healing power of God flowing, 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 flowing. Now, Father, Miss Cheryl, I don't know. I just hear the word addiction, and I don't know what that is. I don't know what it means. If it speaks to you, it speaks to you. If it doesn't, it does. It, I don't know. Could be. Could be. Okay. 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 Well, we're going to speak to that. We're going to break it. Okay? We're going to break it. Father, I just keep hearing that word addiction. So, Father, we break that power in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we break the body's need for that in Jesus' mighty name. And, Father, we thank you that she walks in total freedom. Father, yeah, I see it. I know it now, Lord. I know it now, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Father, I speak to that stenosis. I speak to those ligaments lining up, becoming thin, becoming unrestricted. Father, I speak to her lungs and her airways to be strengthened. Oh, Nanande. Now, you fell spirit of addiction. You leave her, you release her, and you let her go in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Glory, glory, glory. As you begin to walk, as you begin to walk with the Lord, as you begin to just, you're, you're going to find there's some changes in your desires. You're going to you're going to find that you're going to you're going to change. You're, you're going to find some, there's going to be some changes. It's going to be slow, but there're going to be some changes. But just start walking with the Lord. Just start declaring, I am the healed and the free of the Lord. Healed and the free of the Lord. Just start declaring that. Zach, where you got chronic pain at, baby? All right. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just raise your hands and release. Just raise your hands and release it all to God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Father... Father, 
You know this young man's history. You know that Satan's tried to destroy him from the womb. And Father, we break that power. We break the power of abuse off of him. We break the power of sickness off of him. We break every work of Satan off of his body. We command all pain to go in Jesus' name. We command this chronic pain to go in Jesus' name. Father, we command the stress, the pressure of the abuse of his life to be released. Father, not holding him in bondage anymore. Father, releasing him, releasing him, releasing him in Jesus' mighty name. Sunde maha sukushate. Hasso hasiki ishatete. Hassorandande masaki. Father, the pressure in the back. Father, the pressure in the back. Father, the pressure in the spine. Father, I call for a release of emotional pain manifested in the body. Father, I call for that emotional pain being released. Released, released, released. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father God. You, 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 need, to start, you need to start just moving. Even when it hurts, just start moving and declaring, I have no pain and I'm completely free in Jesus' name. Just start declaring it. Derek, I know you got pain everywhere, especially in the hips, the legs, and the feet. I know. Just raise your hands and receive. Father, we speak to this chronic pain. Father, from birth, Lord, from birth. His body's been under attack from birth. Father, we break the power of Satan. We break the power of sickness. We break the power of disease. We break it in Jesus' name. Father, the strongholds of the mind. Father, the strongholds of the emotions. Father, the strongholds of a body oversized. Father, we break their power in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we thank you that he's healed, he's whole. And Father, I thank you that he'll run his race to full completion. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're transforming him from the inside out. And Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Oh, Nande Masa Kushanda. It's critical. It's critical. It's critical that you stop making excuses for the flesh, says the Lord. It's critical that you stop making the excuses. For I am with you and I have a plan for you, but you've got to get in agreement with me, says the Lord. As you get in agreement, you're going to see it change. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Is there, any other, is there anybody that just needs healing anywhere? It's not chronic pain, but any other type of healing. Healing in the heart, healing in the eyes, healing in the knees, the joints, anything. Anything at all. Come on. Come on. Any other healing. What you got? What you need? What needs to be healed? Your eyes. What's wrong with them? They just don't see good. Well, praise God. We're going to heal it. 
Thank you, Lord. You're going to smell really good and fresh because I just heard the Lord say, just anoint them really good. So praise the Lord. We're going to anoint him. This oil doesn't, this oil doesn't do anything. It just represents the power of God. That's all it does. And remember Jesus, he, when he had two different blind men come to him. And one, he spit in their face. I'm so thankful he didn't tell me to spit in your face. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> she said, Lord, you heard her. She'd receive it. Thank you, Jesus. And another one, he spit in the clay and made made mud and put that in his eyes. But thank God. So I'm going to lay my hands on you with this anointing oil. It's just olive oil. It's got a little bit of frankincense and stuff on you, um, but on it. But it just represents the power of God. And I believe you're going to begin to see a transition in your eyesight. But you don't have to pray for it. You just receive it. So just close your eyes. Get your image of Jesus. Father, I thank you that when I lay hands on this sweet dear sister, Father God, that you're going to restore her sight. Father, there's many scriptures that say you give sight to the blind. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you. I, oh, Lord, I thank you. I remember, Lord, just as I, Lord, just as I came to you so many years ago at that youth camp, and I said, Lord, I'm so tired of not being able to see. I'm so tired of running into things. I'm so tired of this tunnel vision, Lord. As, as that 13-year-old little girl who had never prayed for anybody laid hands on me, and your healing power entered and broke that, Father God. I thank you that that same healing power enters this dear sister and breaks all the sickness against her eyes in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Oh, Sunday, ah, so. Father, I thank you that the anointing, the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. Father God, I thank you the retinas are restored. Father, I thank you. Oh, the corneas are restored. Father, if there's any ish, if there's any holes, if there's any tears, any tears in the eyes, if there's any problems with the optic nerves, Father, if there's any, if there's any stigmas, Father God, that they're corrected immediately immediately in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Glory, 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 glory. Now, as I said, you heard me saying that the Lord healed that for me one time. Now, you're going to begin to see changes. You're going to begin to see them. You're going to begin to see them. Just to be and say, Father, I thank you that I see perfectly. Father, I thank you that I see perfectly. Father, I thank you that I see perfectly. And then when, when you're, you're, going to begin to see, you're going to begin to see a change, and then that vision issue that then broke tries to come back on you, you find some way to say, uh-uh. So what, one thing, and this was years ago, but every once in a while I tell them, if you ever see me driving down the road like, if you ever see me driving down the road like this, because this was, I had tunnel vision, I said, I'm just telling the devil, no, uh-uh, I can see. So whatever you have to do, you just do it by faith. And it'll continue to heal and be whole. And I believe you know, next time you go to the eye doctor, your eye doctor, oh, we had another woman. She's not with us now. We had another woman in our church that stood on faith and got completely set free from glaucoma. The doctors have not taken that report away, but they go, well, there ain't nothing wrong, but you still have that report. So you're healed and whole in Jesus' name. Glory to God. God is working. God is moving. God is working. God is moving. You know, uh, you know, and we, and here's the deal. Uh, it doesn't matter what you feel today. You're healed. Doesn't matter if you feel a change today or not. You're healed. You're healed. Don't leave out of here without me getting you some books to teach you how to keep your healing. How to keep your healing. And uh, here's the deal. Uh, those of you that are not normally from this church, wherever your home church is, plant yourself. If you don't have one, you're welcome to be here. But do what follows what you know in your spirit. Because you need to stay connected to a body. 
Glory to God that will keep you built up, keep you encouraged, help you keep your healing. Well, glory to God if our ushers will come. We're going to do our tithes and offerings. Glory to God. I never apologize for running over when people are getting healed and set free. Glory to God. Never. Well, Father, it's been an honor and it's been a joy. Ooh, it's been an honor and it's been a joy. I thank you, Father God. Father, you knew. You knew this morning. Father, I knew when I... Father, I knew when I woke up an hour and a half early, you had something for this morning, and I thank you for it. And so, Father, we can't pay you for anything that you've done, but we can honor you with our finances. It's a form of worship, and we do worship you with our tithes.